Light a campfire and everyone's a storyteller. Join us for some thought-provoking and beyond Farside Chats. Isaac, thank you so much for, for joining me here today. No, thank you. Thank you, Tessa, for inviting me. Isaac, you are the head of methodology for Africa Foundation, and you've been with the foundation for a very long time, since 1994. Before we start going, you know, chatting through what exactly it is that you do with foundation and and exactly what their methodology is like, can you just tell us a little bit about your background? What were you doing before you started off with foundation? And what was it that attracted you to this project that was beginning at and beyond Pinder right, right about that time and that would eventually turn out to be Africa Foundation? Mm-hmm. Yes, so, so I come from a small village called Gwangwanase. It's just north of Pinda, just close to the border with Mozambique and Kosi Bay, uh, if you can locate it in the map. Uh, I, I grew up in that area, and uh, I w- started working for a project called Manguzi Community Program. This was based in, in, in development. We were actually doing uh, community development in, in that rural setup uh, with different schools. The funding was actually, it was a, a World Vision-sponsored project. So during my years in Manguzi Community Program, which uh, was about seven in total, I came across quite a number of disturbing issues which actually related to conservation and community. So in my interaction with the community, we would actually come across very big conflict between community and conservation authorities, which at the time was under the Bureau of Natural Resources, which was uh, the KwaZulu government, a leg of conservation authority. And, and, and because of that, I think my conscience was quite heightened in terms of just the kind of injustices that were actually taking place. I worked there for that seven years and I moved on. I joined uh, the University of Zululand to lead their research uh, in agriculture, in one of the districts that I was given to actually lead. Uh, we were doing low input research and, mm-hmm. and development in the, in, the, in the region to actually try and understand to what extent can we you know, utilize low input and still yield uh, much higher returns uh, in the agriculture setup, you know, which is part of the, uh, you know, University of Zululand uh, research for their um, um, agricultural department. So from there, I actually then moved to a project that was called African Child Care, which was primarily looking at, you know, developing early childhood education centers for the greater part of KwaZulu-Natal. This is where I actually came across, it was during, you know, my engagement and my uh, work that I did come across this Africa then, which is now called and beyond, because I was actually raising funds and trying to look at uh, broadening our network. I came across, you know, this Africa at the time, and we were lo- they were looking at establishing early childhood education uh, program at Pinda, you know, starting all those early years. I think Africa at the time was already always in my mind because I knew what they were trying to do in trying to bridge the gap mm-hmm. uh, between conservation and community, um, which was a very difficult uh, process at the time because nobody actually saw that as, as a possibility at all. Conservation at the time was just about putting fences around them, the protected area, put patrols, and that, that was it. So that's really what was the status quo at the time. And what really attracted me was this organization burst into the equation, trying to explore new paradigms 
uh, of actually trying to bring the community into conservation and vice versa. In other words, to try and normalize uh, the relationship that was not there uh, between conservation and community. And the animosity between the two was not just confined to uh, my space in Gongwanas when I grew up. You know, you could you still have Natal Park Sports. We still had no relationship at all with, uh, with, with, the, with the communities. So conservation was completely strange uh, to, for communities. And, and therefore, when, when I got an opportunity to actually come and play a role in the, that space of normalization of the relationship between conservation and community, for me, it was a wonderful opportunity that I could not turn down. Mm -hmm. So that's what really attracted me because, uh, you know, this new organization, this new company was uh, on the on the verge of uh, unraveling a new paradigm that says community and conservation should live side by side. And there's no conservation without community and vice versa. So that that is really what attracted me to actually join this Africa at the time, which as we know now is then beyond uh, an Africa foundation. Mm -hmm. So, you know, you, you very justifiably speak that it was a very new paradigm at the time. These days, I think a great deal or almost all conservation projects or or game reserves sort of acknowledge the fact that, that the buy-in of local communities is absolutely crucial if they have to succeed. But at the time, it was a very, very new concept. And as you said, obviously, in the areas where you grew up and elsewhere, there was a lot of history and quite a a relationship of antagonism almost to overcome. Obviously, one of the first tasks, you you know, you must have been part of the, the team that had to grow and yeah. strengthen that relationship yeah. Yeah. between and beyond and between Pinda as a reserve and the communities that surrounded it. What were some of the challenges that you faced during this time? The challenges that we faced, that I faced at the time, was a lack of trust. Communities viewed anything conservation with a lot of suspicion because as i say there was no relationship to speak about conservation areas were previously communal land where people were pushed out without compensation or with little compensation uh, if any at all at the time so communities that lived alongside those kind of areas especially at pinda still harbored that kind of animosity and, and that kind of hard feelings uh, towards conservation because it was seen firstly as, as a bastion where only few white people can actually go and have fun and had nothing to do with the communities, firstly. But secondly, you know, in some cases, Pinda you had communities that used to live in those, in, in, in what is now a game reserve. Uh, some of their ancestral graveyards are still inside. They saw themselves being deprived an opportunity to actually really be part of that, which is what which is in their ancestral land, and, and and therefore you know when you when you deal with the people that have that kind of a mindset, anything that you're actually trying to do would be viewed with a lot of suspicion, if not just outright negativity, and that's the kind of challenges that we faced. So we actually had to demonstrate what we were talking about by action rather than just by uh, talking and therefore it actually meant mm -hmm. that we, we we knew that we are starting from the from the bottom of the ladder uh, most of the organizations that were playing in that space uh, conservation uh, authorities saw us just like mavericks that are actually trying to 
uh, be smart, that they didn't, didn't know how things are done in that conservation community space. And nobody actually wanted to come on board with us to actually say, well, let's try this and see if it can work. Because we knew that long term, this is, this, is this is the future. But nobody actually saw, that, saw it at the time. So the, the, the mm -hmm. difficulty was twofold. One, conservation authorities did not believe in what we were trying to do. But the second part was that, and the most critical one, was that the community actually didn't think that we were sincere and honest because nobody had tried it before. And so they viewed our action as, as just another means to maybe get more land. In fact, some of them actually told in my face um, during those engagements that, um, well, don't waste our time. Just tell us how much more land you want, because that's exactly you, that's what exactly you're coming to do here. You know, you're not really mm -hmm. coming to develop us. Uh, we know your your modus operandi and your, your motives are, are just to get more land. People have actually been we've been pushed up, pushed back to actually get the land under conservation. So it was ex extremely hostile and extremely dangerous. So those are some of the things, uh, stereotypes, diff difficult attitude. Um, that we actually had to overcome to really try and win the hearts and the minds of the community to say, mm -hmm. we indeed are sincere, we can work together to actually find solutions to this. You mentioned, you know, you spoke, you said that there was a long-term goal and a long-term focus in mind. The whole process sounds like something that that necessarily would have had to take a lot of time. Was that one of... The, perhaps one of the challenges that you faced, you know, was there pressure to to deliver quickly or were both sides sort of willing to take the time to to invest in the relationship and see see what would happen, basically? Well, um, the community did not really have anything to lose. I mean, for them, it was, uh, it was a question mm -hmm. really of pushing back, you know. Um, they did not know what they did not know. Uh, and therefore, all they saw was these people now approaching them for no reason whatsoever other than what they thought was to try and get more land. They had no, no obligation at all to kind of really try and help build the relationship. Um, so it was our role to really demonstrate because we needed them more than they needed us at the time because we knew where we wanted to take this relationship to. But also uh, from our point of view, um, uh, mm -hmm. South Africa at the time, there was obviously, um, as, as, as a business, you can understand that uh, business operating at different uh, at a different level. Each community meeting must actually have some kind of outcomes that are, are are working towards a particular objective or particular goal. And if those meetings are not taking place because um, the community don't see the value in actually coming to those meetings, they're frustrating the process. Then you actually had had a a, a problem because being being in between, um, you know, if I, if I if I go to my supervisor at the time i think it was les color you know that i was working you know go to him and say well this week i've got a b c d e f uh, i've got five things that i've planned and all of those are like, are like meetings and mm -hmm. at the end of the week you can only report about one meeting that was successful it 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 it, 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 it would be very frustrating because they they looked at it as as, as a waste of time and, and and therefore i had to be i had to play that role of not only uh, bringing the community on board, but also uh, ensuring that my colleagues actually understand that this process is going to be slow and painful. Um, and, 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 and at times, you'd actually have a problem where, um, you know, of trust, you know, from your own, from your own colleagues, um, because they start looking at you like, are you really serious about this? Do you know, do you, are, you, are you really sure 
uh, you know what you are doing or you actually just you're wasting our time so it was a very difficult process and a very slow one um you know uh, from both parts from both parts the community uh, would not uh, you would go go call a meeting and they would don't pitch up or they pitch up at the time that they like and the the outcome of the meeting is completely haywire you know it's really nothing to write home about and you go back and talk about it and they look at you and like do you know do you really understand what you're doing you know or are we just wasting our time here so it was it was it was one of those very very difficult tasks that i had to perform at the time now isaac as it, as it stands now the africa foundation has got a very specific methodology that it follows for for projects obviously you were there at the time when there was when this was sort yeah. of started off and was being yeah. developed can you tell us a little bit more first of all what this methodology is and also how it yeah. developed over time and why that specific way what are the benefits and and why do you think um, that, that this the works? methodology simply put is our little handbook really that uh, define how we engage with community in the in this in this community development space and and it it, it came about as a result of all those many long years long days uh, that we spend with the community and i think that i like to call it um, you know we we you know was paying our school fees because all of the all what is contained in our methodology today mm -hmm. was as a result of listening very carefully listening very carefully and and mind you I, when i joined africa foundation i already had almost 20, 12 years of experience in community development but none of my experience would would have, would, would have been um I, I, well yes I was I was partly prepared for what I was going to go into, but um, the hostility and the depth of the problem was such that my experience was not sufficient to actually just go in and crack it. Other than understanding that we 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 needed the community more than they needed us at the time, so the methodology uh, was based on uh, a very honest and openness and transparency and, and 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 listening to what the community had to say and as a result of that we learned to actually understand that community must actually lead so our our projects must actually be led by the community in fact it's that if their projects must be led by them and that participation must be at the heart of everything that they do in other words we can't actually just come in and drop a project because we think that we know what is good for the community. We actually had to pull back even in circumstances where we thought we knew what the solutions could have been and let the community take that center stage in terms of lead, leading what, what, what needed to be done. We actually had to ensure that the, the community buy in in what we are actually trying to do. So we learned throughout the process that um, you can't actually walk into the community and tell them what you think, but you must listen to what, 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 what they have to say. So the methodology, in a sense, well, you know, for, for us, is a, as I said, is a handbook that actually just define how we actually engage the community. For a very long time, we, 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 we've seen NGOs, NPOs come in and drop, drop projects that become a failure simply because they did not actually take the time to listen to what the community has to say. They did not consult, they did not bring um, everybody on board to actually say, um, how then do we work together to actually 
achieve a particular objective because they are in a rush for the time. If it's a five-year project, then that must be developed within that five-year period. But we knew that our, our, ours was um, a long term and therefore we could not actually restrict it you know, by putting time frames and timelines to it. We actually had to engage. So the, the, the methodology actually comes from all of those learnings. You listen to them, you don't tell them, you don't impose your solutions, you don't build infrastructure because you think it's necessary, because it's not going to be sustainable if you do it that way. You, so you, you journey with them. Uh, you let them, you, you allow them to take the lead. Um, that is for us uh, our way of actually saying, how do we contribute to building the dignity of the, of the people? How do we contribute towards um, ensuring that we respect the fact that having little does not translate to no knowledge or no wisdom at all, which is a mistake most people do, you know, because if you walk into a community, you see them hungry, you see them, you see them uh, without resources, uh, the perception might be that, um, and there's a danger that people actually make that assumption that it therefore means that they are, these people are not wise enough, or these people are not intellectually enough, and, and that is the notion we actually have to try and dispel, because the wisdom in the community and the intellect and the assets the community have is what have sustained them up to a moment when you actually come to, to meet them. So you can't overlook that or, or underestimate the power of um, the resilience they have uh, mm -hmm. before you actually engage them. So the, the methodology it actually try and encompasses all of that and say when we engage with the communities, these are the areas we must make sure that we are, we are, we, 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 we is sacrosanct uh, in a way. We, we will not uh, try and dictate to the community. We will not try and, and, and tell them or rush them to actually, you know, find, find a particular um, conclusion. We will actually allow them the space and the process to actually lead and, and, and do, it, do it in their pace. Of course, we understand the donors actually want reports, that everybody else want movement, and therefore we try and balance the two to make sure that there is progress, but at the same time, we allow the community to actually take that kind of lead. So we, 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 this is why we say we work with them rather than for them, because um, if you work for them, um, you actually just think for them, you do for them, you, 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 you do everything for them, but if you do, do with them, you actually participate in their own process. And therefore, you allow the space to be led by them. Um, and therefore, the buy-in and the sustainability of the project is much more uh, enhanced than a process where you come in and parachute solutions. Uh, because when you want to walk out, project will crumble, and um, they are not sustainable, um, and, and all of that. So that is the really, in a nutshell, what the methodology trying to seeks to do. Mm -hmm. It collaborates with the community, with with the, with the stakeholders that um, that um, um, it talks about collaboration with the stakeholders in the area, uh, whether it's a government um, um, department. For instance, if we're actually going to be building a school, there's no way we're actually going to build a school knowing fully well that it, we will depend on the government. Um, to bring in the teachers, to bring in the textbooks, the desks, and all of that, and operate the, the, the classroom. We, you know, if, if, if we know that, um, we must therefore make an effort um, as a matter of uh, importance that we actually talk to the government uh, department before we even build the, build the school. Because then, um, 
you know, once they've actually say, yes, indeed, the school is necessary in that area, they already kind of put together a budget to actually, you know, bring in all of those um, required, um, you, you know, services that will actually uh, ensure that the school uh, operates uh, when we hand it over to the community. So that's, that's really what the, 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 the methodology speaks to. It's such a crucial little distinction at the heart of it. And if you spend any time at all yeah. with anybody from Africa Foundation, you will always hear them say, we work with communities, we don't work for communities. Yeah. And that's, that's really at the heart of it. Mm. Isaac, thank you so much. It has been really, really inspirational listening to you today. Thank you very much for agreeing to come on and chat to me. You know, thank you so much for giving me the opportunity to actually share just our, our experiences and uh, and hopefully as we continue to share this, um, more and more people will be inspired to actually try and um, do likewise wherever, wherever they may be. Yeah, so thank you so much. Thank you for listening to and Beyond Fireside Chats. Don't forget to subscribe to make sure you never miss an episode. If you have any comments or feedback or would like to suggest a topic you'd like to hear us talk about, Drop us an email at firesidechats at endbeyond.com. We'd love to hear from you.